On this week's show, do your body parts belong to you? There are new dietary guidelines and making waves. Gravitational waves, that is. Let's do this. Three, two, one. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Beta Sandwich Science Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Beta Sandwich Science Podcast, your source for news and trends in the molecular biosciences. This is episode number 118, recorded January 13, 2016. We've got with us almost everyone today. That's fun, sort of. Not quite as fun as we had everyone, but we have Dr. Dell Jackson. Hello, Dr. Dell. Hello, soon to be Dr. Scott, if plans work out. If not, then I apologize in advance to future <laughs> Scott, who's all sad and doesn't have a PhD. Yeah, you know, all all real possibilities, but uh, thank you for, for renewing that sense of dread and fear I had in me that I almost forgot about. Appreciate what I'm here that. for. That's what you're here for. And we have got, uh, you do not have Christian. We've got Carolina Balkenbush, our registered dietitian in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello. 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 Is it cold in Vegas right now? It's freezing up here in Reno. I'm always cold. It's 73 degrees in my house right now, and I'm still <laughs> cuddled up in a blanket. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I felt 73 degrees in a good six months, so indeed. We're a, we're a 66-degree household in the winter. What are you at, Dell? I mean, you've got you're with child, so you might not have the same opportunity to be frugal well, it's with temperature. More the wife, but we're at like seventy one, I think. Ooh. Oh, don't tell Dharma any of this. She would love it if it was at seventy one. <laughs> you know I'm, the f- <laughs> great thing though, or the uh, funny thing is, and I guess that this is no excuse because people out and I don't disagree. People could say, "Oh, you could do better. You could knock it down even farther and save the planet," but. Our, so the house that we have is twice as big as our old house, square footage-wise. But our total electricity, heat bill, and all that is half as much as our old house. So Just the power of modern insulation? Mm-hmm, yeah, and the, the house, this house is probably 13 years newer than the old one. And, oh, that, I mean, that's not even that big of a deal, no. you know, in the, in the spectrum thing. Yeah, we almost rented an older house, and um, we knew someone else who rented an old house, like one from the 50s. And they were saying in the winter, it was like a three-bedroom house, one fl- single floor, and they were paying like $350 a month for heating in the winter. Wow. Yo, wow. Yeah, and you're just like, what? So, yeah. They have the windows open or something? No, the house is an open window in a sense because it's just the insulation. They basically just like sh- shoved newspaper in the wall and they called it good. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, very different world, so. Uh, oh, I got a couple updates here. Uh, the drought is over. I'm really proud to say that. And I'm not talking about California. I'm talking about the lack of new ratings and comments on iTunes. No <laughs> freaking way. Oh, and I hope you're sitting down. We got not one, but two comments this week. <laughs> so Whoa. I know. I check iTunes. I'm quitting my job. I'm, quitting I think it was my, my enthusiastic request. For I actually, shoes. it had to have been something. Um, I think uh, it was the X-rated show. It. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were a little... Filthy. We use like two curse words, or I did, or someone did. <laughs> curse words. That makes me sound old. I'm like, I like curse words. Uh, so I check iTunes like each week before the show, which has become in recent times like just a willful act of self abuse because I know there's not going to be any comments. <laughs> so I was just downright giddy when I saw these two. One is from uh, Meg Duff. And Meg Duff put knowledge plus humor equals awesome. Fun people discussing intriguing content. What can be getter? I want to hang out with the host. Well, we want to hang out with you, Meg Duff. Maybe you could be crazy. And I don't actually mean that. But 
Maybe. Let's say the best thing, Scott. <laughs> Just make our listeners feel really, uh, really Thank loved. you, Meg Depp. The science history quiz at the end is also a nice treat, which might be one of the first nice things someone said about that quiz. So, thank you, double thank you. The other is Tim USMC. Tim, I don't know if you know this. I may have mentioned it on the show in the past. I am also a former United States Marine Corps veteran. So, welcome, Tim. I'm glad to know we have some jarheads listening to the show. And he put... Are you, are you allowed to say... Oorah to him? Like, is that? I'll give you a, a hardcore oorah. We can do that. Except I'm not going <laughs> to be all Marine Corps gung ho about it because it feels silly now because I'm so far removed. <laughs> <laughs> it would sound hilarious. You guys would mock me for years. So. Come on. Come on. Please. You do it to us and record this and then play it back at my choosing. Oorah! there's like a million like versions all right um and he said i don't juice but this is creatine for my brain muscle although this characterization <laughs> awesome. is it's awesome no doubt scientifically inaccurate i can i can tell how much fun uh, i'd have talking about what's really behind all of it the topical collection and delivery in a peer review like manner makes me regret every second of my brain's attention ever diverted to lesser causes excluding perhaps drunk history which we've i don't know if we've talked about this on the show but i uh, drunk science history is just begging to be made you know what i mean like just mm. talking about how einstein or you know just these feuds in the past between like you know different scientific tesla know. and edison oh can you imagine a good drunk science history of tesla or just about like watson and crick and about how watson's a dick and how nobody liked him and all this sort of stuff like you could just the allegedly things. lawyers for <laughs> crick <laughs> no calling someone a dick is a personal um opinion and uh, that's that's protected by the Constitution, sir. So thanks to you and our fellow Marine Corps listener here. Indeed. So uh, thank you, Tim. Thank you, everyone, for leaving comments. It was uh, it was uh, the the tank is full and happiness. But uh, keep doing it. So so what else? Oh, and I'm, I forgot to mention this last week. Uh, our hosts know about this, but you all need to go to flowingdata.com or data, depending on your preference, flowingdata.com. And it goes to, oh, do I need to do this big, long link? Okay, it's actually the very first thing on the front of the page. It's called Causes of Death. And if you click on Causes of Death, it's a really cool chart that shows you, based on your 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 sex, based on your ethnicity, what you're most likely to die of over time. And when you look at these charts, you can actually click on, let's say I just click on cancer for females, and it shows you the rate that they die. And then it, there's a little arrows, and it breaks down exactly what type of cancer is, at what ages it's most prevalent. And it's a beautiful flowing diagram about how how we all die which is kind of depressing but it's interesting at the same time it's our it's our quantified self as they say so definitely definitely check that out um oh wow we're punching through time here you guys do anything fun this week uh, anything noteworthy i saw the revenant hey so did we hey, hey don't spoil it we were gonna go see it and it was sold out at it like a three o'clock in the afternoon showing oh geez oh wow so what'd you think carolina i just said well, you, she can give general thoughts. Well, I just will not reveal whether or not there was a bear rape scene in it. <laughs> Thanks was... for ruining that. God damn it. <laughs> there was a Star Wars-like scene in it, which I won't I'm say. I'm going to, like, <laughs> cease 
so involvement. Carolina can say, if she, did you enjoy the movie? Uh, no. See, okay. Thank you. And a lot of End people of didn't. Move on. Nothing to see. <laughs> I loved the movie. Um, I was very reminiscent of Dances with Wolves to me. And it's it can it is slow it is uh, depressing uh, but I think that it was actually a, a very brilliant movie. So after yes, all, it, it it did it did uh, it did it well. You know, it was a very well done movie. The cinematography was amazing. It's just not my kind of movie ultimately. Fun fact about the cinematography and Dell, this isn't giving any anyway, It's just the cinematography. About halfway through the movie, I and if you haven't seen this yet and you go see it, take a look. I'm like, I think they're using a single lens to shoot this entire film. Uh, it, there was no, there's no like, like 300 millimeter telephoto lens shots and stuff like that. It, I'm like, they're using one lens and I'm like, I've never seen this ever in a movie before. And then I went and Googled it and they didn't use one lens, but they use lenses between 12 and 21 millimeters, which are just ultra, ultra wide angle lenses and almost indistinguishable from each other in a lot of aspects. And so it, in, in essence, they were kind of shooting with the single lens and it's a, it's a very, unique way to go about it and i've never nice seen catch, that before you photo bug you indeed so uh, yeah when you, if you see it definitely uh keep an eye out for that because you'll you'll recognize that they're like oh yeah it's all just kind of this one big wide angle lens they're using so anyways so any uh anything from you Dale? oh god um uh after, this will be my last podcast because i'm most likely gonna win the powerball tonight so it's been very fun Right. Um, but I'm going to retire. Have you? Uh, no, that means that you can dedicate 100 percent of your life to this show. <laughs> you're double. <laughs> you're doubling down is what you're doing Ooh, on science. Ouch. Have did you actually buy tickets? I went in with some friends. Yeah, that's the one form. I live in Nevada, and that's the one form of gambling gambling that I like. And thankfully, it's not easy to do when you live in Nevada because it's illegal here to participate in lotteries. But I like scratch tickets and lotteries. But the lottery is illegal in Nevada. Yes, you cannot sell lottery tickets or have a hold a, a statewide deeply lottery in Nevada. Ironic thing to have gambling illegal here in some forms, but it's all the other forms are illegal. All yeah, right, but thankfully it's the forms that uh, I enjoy, and you can't do that here. So, so the whole uh, the lottery is a the tax for the mathematically illiterate. You you don't buy it. Oh, I don't. I had a lot of fun thinking. I know I'm not going to win. It's one out of 262 million. So I watched a little blog piece on the Lawrence Livermore Lab. You could check it out if you want. And this one of the statisticians there put it into perspective. They said that if you went out at night, because obviously that's a mind-boggling number, right? Like 262 million. What does that even mean? Well, they they bank on you not understanding that number. That's the whole reason the lottery works is because they understand that the human mind is incapable of understanding how low those odds are. <laughs> so she put it in very interesting terms, and I'll just share it real quick. She said, you know, go out with a friend. So there's two of you. Go out on a night sky at night and look at the starry sky, and there are approximately 5,000 visible stars that you can see in a night sky. And if each of you picked one randomly, so that's, you know, the inverse of 5,000 plus the inverse of 5,000. If each of you picked one ram- randomly, the odds of you picking the same star in that night sky is 1 in 25 million. So that is 10 times more likely to happen than it is <laughs> for you to win the lottery. I heard a funner, well, an equally fun analogy, which is you are more likely to die this year by a vending machine falling on top of you than winning the lottery. 
what if it was the lottery machine dispensing vending machine? <laughs> just, they just find your your dead gnarled hand with the winning ticket. Just this greatest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You right. know what that would make me feel like doing? Blasting everything with science. Science. Pew, pew, pew. Just because you can hear it now. That's what we need from now on, a spontaneous segue to the science blast. How about spontaneous pewing? I don't know like how that just got completely (laughs) washed out. The last two weeks you've done nothing. We're not having an X-rated show again. Either of you. That's where Carolina's laugh is going. Mm, No. Nobody's laughing at your lack of pewing. People write in they like that, and I've got nothing from you ingrateful people. Yeah, ingrates. You're ingrates. All right. I've got like an on and off switch here, guys. you got to warn me. (laughs) <laughs> okay um i i don't there's nothing else to say about that except you're horrible people so carolina i'm really excited <laughs> to hear about this with a segue segue to, so he just called you horrible and now he's asking for something carolina you know if your self-respect might uh, cause you to just tell him to f off just saying what what were you gonna say scott <laughs> oh it's the floor is yours ma'am he wants okay. you to share your science. Story. I don't. I, I do I have. I'm not going to segue from pewing to dietary guidelines. Hey, <laughs> refuse. Hey, you're not letting me down. You're not letting Dell down. You're letting yourself down. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I can live with that. Oh, she's like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So dietary guidelines. What do we got? Okay, so so every five years since 1980, the Agriculture and Health and, and Human Services Departments um, update the the dietary guidelines for Americans. And so the latest issue, the 2015 Dietary Guidelines for Americans, came out last Thursday. And um, the last time this came out was 2010, and there have been some improvements uh, to the previous dietary guidelines. So I just wanted to highlight some of the biggest changes and some of the main criticisms that uh, experts have of the, the new set of guidelines. So the first and um, probably most exciting thing about the new guidelines is that there is finally an official limit on added sugars in your diet. Woohoo! So I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but on uh, Nutrition Facts labels, you'll see uh, sugars labeled on there and tells you how many grams of sugar a food contains, but it doesn't differentiate between naturally occurring sugars or added sugars. And it also doesn't give you a percentage daily value for those sugars because it one hadn't been established. There's one for pretty much everything else on there, but not I, the sugar. Oh, I always thought that was because you just shouldn't have any. Well, like well, zero now, was the amount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's so interesting because, okay, so, so the cap, um, based on the guidelines now is is no more than 10% of your calories should come from added sugars, which if you're eating 2,000 calories a day is 200 calories of sugar, which comes out to 50 grams of sugar a day or basically about 12 and a half teaspoons of added sugar. So added sugar. So if I'm eating a banana and an apple, those don't fall into this at all? Right. Okay. Exactly. What if I'm eating a piece of sugar cane? Then um, <laughs> uh, always finding loopholes, aren't you? Wow, what if I'm eating a sugar that. sugar cube? Uh, that that would count. That should be their there's logo. There's no added sugar. It's only sugar. <sighs> but it's all processed to begin with, right? That should be Sugarcane's logo, like Sugarcane, nature's dietary loophole. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I guess just eating sugar cubes if you're not adding them to anything. Like right. not added yeah. sugars. Right. Um, Dieting's wow. easy. I don't We're not going to make this why. easy for you, Caroline. It's so hard. <laughs> no. Okay, so 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 that might seem I don't know. To, it actually it adds up pretty quickly because there there are added sugars in, in a lot of different processed foods. Um, but so so even though you technically have about 12 and a half teaspoons of added sugar that you can budget into your diet every day if you follow all the recommendations and you consume all the servings recommended from every food group your fruits your vegetables your whole grains your protein your uh your healthy fats uh you will only have about 270 calories left over for discretionary things like refined grains, uh, salty foods, and sugars. So really, you don't have that much wiggle room. Um, and just for comparison, uh, well, if you eat too much Coke, sugar, you'll have plenty of wiggle room. If you, <laughs> yeah, you'll be uh, wiggly. Um, so, so a can of Coca-Cola has about uh, 10 teaspoons of added sugar. So, and how many calories is a, that? That is 140. So you pretty much, you're on a sugar-free diet for the rest of the day if you pop yourself a can of Coke. And that's a 12-ounce can. If you go to McDonald's and get yourself a large Coke, you're, you're, you're just blowing everything out of the water for the day, right? Right. Okay. Right. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see whether as a result of these dietary guidelines, um, there will be uh, changes on the diet uh, or the nutrition facts labels that we see on foods. Um, hopefully we'll see uh, added sugars actually clearly labeled, so it'll make it easier to track. And we'll see percentage of daily value reflected on there. So how does that work in America? Like what requires that um, food manufacturer puts that stuff on the side? Um, if their product is, is a food, then they have to. So like a supplement, it, you don't have to do anything. Right. A supplement has a different regulations. That would be like, you have to put supplement facts on there and how those are go, not as strict. How does it go? So how do these dietary guidelines get translated to that? Like does Congress have to get involved and yes. or does the FDA have to do something? Um, the FDA gets involved. Um, I don't know exactly how, who makes well, okay, so 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 it does. I don't know all the steps in the process, mm -hmm. but ultimately, um, yes, it would go to Congress. So, for example, the National School Lunch Program, um, the guidelines that dictate that are heavily influenced by the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. So, these these new changes are likely to affect that down the road, but that has to be made basically law first. Okay. And yes. so is this like, does this become a deal? Like sometimes they'll publish these guidelines and then it takes years because some lobbying group fights having that incorporated into law? Um, yes, yes. And it's actually interesting because um, groups lobbying affect the guidelines themselves as well. Mm. So some, some of the sharpest criticisms against the, the new dietary guidelines actually pertain to the recommendations um, about meat and protein and, and animal proteins. Um, there is mention that men and teenage boys are consuming too much protein, um, which has never mm. been mentioned in the dietary guidelines before. And in the initial um, recommendations and discussion of what the guidelines would reflect last year, uh, it was basically stated that there would be um, guidance against eating animal products 
in general or limiting the amount of animal products consumed basically for uh, an environmentally sustainable diet. But it was determined that making a recommendation like that would be out of scope for the dietary guidelines. Which I actually kind of agree with. Uh, I completely agree with, and yeah, as I've mentioned on the show, like I've, I'm like I'm inching closer to trying to be like a, it, not a complete vegetarian, um, but I want to like really limit it, and it's for a lot of it's for ethical reasons, uh, personal ethical reasons. And I'm not saying I'm not saying you're a bad person if you don't feel that way, uh, and yeah, health reasons, all that sort of stuff. Like what it wouldn't be so bad if like there's it's so easy to be like a minimal meat eater these days it used to be that like you really you were just ate salads you know there was not a lot of options but man you can eat like anything these days so i i feel like it would be a trivial adjustment for most americans to make to not be eating like meat every day you know i don't know yeah okay so so here's what's interesting so the guidelines the, the language of the guidelines does not say that you should limit your intake of meat and poultry. However, it does say that there's strong evidence showing that eating patterns that include lower intake of meats and processed meats and processed poultry are associated with reduced risk of cardiovascular disease. So they mentioned that, but the the guidelines don't actually tell you to eat less meat, Hmm. which I kind of think they should based on the evidence. Um, So so that's one of the criticisms of it for sure. You've been a practicing nutritionist for five years now, is that right? Yes. So in so this is kind of sort of the second kind of release that you've seen of the official dietary guidelines. Mm-hmm. In in your in your experience, I know you interact with some doctors or have. How long does it take for these guidelines to become doctors' recommendations, or is it like the law? It goes through you know some. Um, physician's board first, and then it becomes kind of a recommended dietary guideline from a physician. In my experience, doctors, well, the doctors that I work with or that I've met don't give a whole lot of dietary advice. And when they do, it's sometimes, you know, several iterations of these dietary guidelines outdated. Hmm. Um, I guess so it's not example, like house and your doctors aren't running around calling people fat and... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it just depends on the doctor, but but as a as an example, um, the, the this issue of the dietary guidelines has finally dropped the 300 milligrams of cholesterol recommendation. Oh, so but that's I'm sure nothing, doctors right. will continue to say, you know, you shouldn't have more than 300 milligrams of cholesterol a day. You should limit your consumption of eggs, you know, that kind of thing. Um, even though that is no longer really in the language and it's been known for a while that dietary cholesterol does not impact your risk for cardiovascular disease as much as saturated fat does uh, i wonder if physicians sort of get locked into the what they knew in med school and i'm even sure though, that's part even of though it. they try to like stay up on the latest maybe they sort of just revert to that period of time so when they graduated from my understanding and that's certainly part of it but also it's <clears throat> they're not rewarded um in any way as a matter of fact I wouldn't. I would go so far to say is they're often actively discouraged from trying to treat the whole. I I say holistic, not in a foo foo sense. I just mean like in treating the whole body, the whole organism, um, and to talk about diet. They're they're paid by the HMOs. They're paid by the insurance companies to treat the disease, not to prevent the disease. You know, yeah, we talk about annual physicals and stuff like that, but really, what are, they're just pulling some blood and they're seeing if anything's uh, wonky with you at that time, and. And if you go into your doctor, 
you could be morbidly obese and all this sort of stuff. But what they just saw on their chart, they see, oh, you got high blood pressure. Guess what? I got a pill for that. Off you Is go. that true? You, come on now. That's totally my understanding. Because they're, like, that sounds like an armchair sort of layman's a uh, straw man, as our... they say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think a big part of it too is is as a physician, you have so little time to spend with your patients that if you're going to do some kind of education, it's it's easy to have simple, quick messages to give. And nutrition can be kind of a long and drawn out subject to discuss. But isn't with, that when they call you in, like they're like, "Hey, you need some lifestyle advice? Go consult and then, with Caroline." And then, and then fingers crossed that they'll actually show up because. I think a lot of people don't feel comfortable going to a dietitian because they feel like they're I'm the food police. They're going to be scolded. <laughs> yeah, get them in trouble. Get them in well, trouble. You're such a mean old person, Carolina. I mean, I know. Well, and so speaking of food police for children, I know you're not doing this anymore, but the would these guidelines affect how the meals are put together for children? Yes, absolutely. So they'll be getting less. Well, glue. You, Less, <laughs> more glue, actually. <laughs> Less I think. sugar, finally. Yeah, not a lot yeah, of sugar. Yeah, there, there's in been glue. no restriction on the amount of sugar in school breakfasts and lunches, and uh-huh. that has been a big loophole. Um, and with these new guidelines, uh, sodium restriction is is a little less um, strict. Uh, so, probably, um, my guess is that the school lunch program sodium restrictions that have been put in place are probably going to be retracted. Won't Salted be sharp. sugar cubes. Scott, Yum. that's our next business opportunity. We're going to have to redact that from this episode so we can patent it. Oh, correct. Yep. Earmuffs, everyone. Earmuffs. Uh, well, thanks, Carolina. Cool story. You're you know. welcome. Yeah, let us know if uh, anything if anything comes of that. You know, if you don't follow those dietary guidelines, you might get to a weight that would create a lot of waves when you got into the pool. <laughs> Hey, I'm trying. No, that was hey, good. at least you tried, Dell. Yep. At least you tried. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Shaming is a very effective form. Carolina, to I just your behavior. want you to remember how Scott is being so mean to you during the uh, science history quiz at the end of the show, and how I have been nothing but nice and oh, sweet to you. I'll say something about that quiz, by the way. Last week's <laughs> last week's quiz was nullified. I just I need to get that out there, and we'll talk Why? about it when the uh, it's nullified because we didn't take the quiz. One I question, did. we, no, 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 one question, if anyone goes back and listens, and I'm sure everyone will, uh, he asked the oh, one if question. Oh, that, I'm, I'm going to deface you online. He ended the quiz after one question. Sandwichsciencepodcast.com sucks. He declared that, that you won, won after a single of, that's question. That's what everyone heard. There was one question, la, 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 you answered la, la, it, and he was so la, impressed la, 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 that your year was close, he declared it over and you the winner without with hey, two more questions hey, lined up. Hey. No, no, no. He was the boss. So nobody cares about this, but I'm absolutely pulling that win from you. So um oh. So Carol uh, what's your name? Delk. <laughs> so fatty waves in the pool. Please continue. So, um before you hear the story, I have to hear that that um victory is not gonna be pulled. Thanks for your story, Dell. <laughs> <laughs> if you thought Dell's story was good, so sorry. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, sir. Um, I'll think about it. I'll think. How about we'll think about it? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, Classic parenting move. Nice work. Thank you. <laughs> Gravitational. I'm go not ask, forgetting. Go ask your mom. <laughs> 
So there was a tweet made this week. I don't know if anybody got tweeted this. Is that the proper uh, pronunciation of a tweet in a past tense? Tweeted okay. from Lawrence Krauss, who is a physicist at uh, Arizona State University, I believe. He had said that my earlier rumor about LIGO has been confirmed by independent sources. Stay tuned. Gravitational waves may have been discovered. Exciting. So essentially what we have here is before publication, the notification of a fairly big scientific discovery um, by way of social media, in this case, Twitter. So I like the story for two reasons. That in and of itself I think is worthy of discussion. But then, of course, I'm for some reason on a weird physics kick this year, probably because the less I understand about something, the more interested I am in it. So um, I saw this uh, come out across the newswire today. I wanted to share it with everyone. Um, so gravitational waves, what are they? Well, uh, I wasn't entirely sure about it, so I did a little bit of digging uh, on it. And we're all familiar with the theory of uh, gravity, at least at a basic level, and that's the idea that uh, a certain body can exert a sort of pulling force on you. At least that's kind of the traditional uh, understanding of it. Einstein, though, with uh, the general theory of relativity, gave us a new paradigm, if you will, to understand gravity. And it's one that's maybe familiar to you from your um, uh, junior high and high school classes, but we've all, you guys have heard of that uh, sort of analogy of gravity, like of a, of, a, of a sheet or a bed, where if you put like a big bowling ball on it, it causes a divot in it. Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't heard that, but I like that. And there's so, a wonderful yeah. YouTube video I'll put in our show notes, if I can remember, uh, about this being demonstrated with yeah. an actual like bedspread type thing. Yeah. So it that's obviously a simplification because space is, you know, there's actually four dimensions. Um, but uh, from, from just a simple understanding, the concept that if you had like a large sheet, you held it taut or whatever, or a rubber sheet, if you want to imagine it that way, and you threw like bowling ball in there and a baseball and golf balls and all that, they would create sort of dimples in them. And those dimples or those wells are sort of representative of the effects of gravity or that they, they have. And in this case, it's not so much that they have gravity, but it's that their mass is affecting um, what Einstein referred to as space-time. So for general theory of relativity, the concept of, of, of space or distance, if you will, is inexplicably linked with the concept of time. And, you know, for tonight's show, we can't go into the, the nitty gritty details of that. But if you can just imagine this, the idea that it's not just space, it's not just time, but it's space time. You know, it's it's one concept, and so uh, general theory kind of like the mass energy thing, where their mass and energy are interchangeable under the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it it really gets to that idea, like in Interstellar and whatnot, about how you know, if when you're traveling out, that time um, has a different concept to it. That that is, if you've seen Interstellar, that's getting at that concept that space and time are are intrinsically linked somehow. But anyway, the uh, that that I that concept, if you will, uh, if you have that in your mind of a trampoline or a bedspread or something, you put heavy objects in it, and then it, if you were to roll a marble a marble around it, uh, it might continue on its <coughs> on its own. Excuse me, until it hit one of those dimples or one of those wells caused by the deformation of that that physical body on space time or on our bedsheet, and start to circle around it. And so uh, that's. Essentially, the, uh, the down and dirty explanation of general theory of relativity. I wanted to bring it up because it uh, helps us understand 
what gravitational waves are. So if you think about that planet, that big bowling ball sitting there, it has kind of like a localized um, field of, it exerts gravity in, in a localized sense, right? So it has like its own dimple amongst itself. What that theory also predicts, and this is something we've never had direct measurement of, and this is what's exciting, but it predicts something called gravitational waves. So now instead of kind of having this centralized body, this large planet or this large star sitting out there and within a localized field um, exerting its exerting uh, gravitational pull, now imagine if you had super dense things. So we're talking about like binary black holes or, or a set, a twin set of of black holes or a twin set of neutron stars or binary stars. So super enormously, like beyond our ability to really encapsulate in our mind, super heavy, massive bodies, uh, general theory of relativity predicts that they would ha exert a phenomenon called gravitational waves. So and now the important thing is here, these are in motion, right? Like they're circling each other. Does that they, make a big difference here? Um, not necessarily, um, hmm. but they typically do. It's. I think it's more so that their combination is even larger than than them amongst themselves. So, it's not so much just that they happen to be in. You're right, though. And some of the simulations I've seen of it show that exact thing, Scott. That they they're kind of circling each other, but it's more so a property of them having so much density in in that amount of space that instead of just causing a local deformation in space time, they cause deformations that emanate or that flow out as as waves kind of like waves in the ocean across the entire universe and in fact um, traveling as fast as the speed of light so this idea of gravitational waves there have been indirect um, in, um, inferences of it but we've never um, seen it directly we've never been able to like say oh look here come over here look at the sensor look that right there shows that we have gravitational waves but there are some interesting predictions made about um i think light the way that it would decay over time from like a neutron star uh and the data itself fits perfectly with um this prediction of gravitational waves so it's it's been very exciting in fact i think that was the 1993 nobel prize um was was that uh um um, supposition. So I don't, I don't Did it cover this in the article? Like when I think of a wave, I think of, you know, um, something with an amplitude and a frequency. And like, if you think of a sound yep. wave or an actual wave, you, they can either, if they're in, if they're, um, uh, they can either amplify each other or they can even cancel each other out. Like with like a Bose no, noise canceling earphone. So do, can these waves, can you literally like cancel out gravitation if you, if they're off by like half a wavelength, you know what I mean? So, so here's the interesting part. So you asked if they could cancel out gravity itself? Yeah, because they are gravitational waves. So can they amplify? Can you have double the gravity if they're, if they're in phase? You know what I mean? Great question. So I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but I like that question, Scott, because it gets to the point of, okay, how can we test this directly? Instead of like looking at a phenomenon of like the decay of light from a neutron star or whatever it might be and fitting it to our model, how could we like directly measure it and this is the what the tweet is about so there's an institution uh, that's been around since uh, 2002 it's called LIGO which stands for Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory um, everyone knows that Dell yeah so if in your mind you can now visualize like a great big L um, and so you got the bottom part of the L and then the top part right except that L is 
two and a half, the, each part of it, each segment of it is two and a half miles long. And so you have these two tubes, two and a half mile long, and what they do is they shoot a laser beam out that goes down each of the tubes at the exact same time. And then, interestingly, they come back uh, at the exact same time, and they're, they're traveling equal length, and when they do that, they cancel each other out. So in this case, you don't see anything. The two beams come back, they're split, they come back, cancel each other out. And here is, okay, to get to your question now, how could we measure this? The um, hypothesis is that if we had a gravitational wave, it would actually shrink space-time around each of these L's differently. Because gravitational waves don't care about the fact that this L is on planet Earth. They don't care about anything. They, they go through everything. And so the idea is, is that they would stretch. And this is what people talk about um, gravitational waves doing. So if you imagine literally taking something and stretching it as if it was like rubber and kind of deforming it in that way, that's what the prediction is of what a gravitational wave would do. If it was passing through us right now, it would kind of stretch each of us out almost like we were a cartoon figure or something. Huh. Now, uh, that could be pretty painful, right? What's really interesting is the degree to which this would stretch you out. And it's 10 to the minus 15 uh, millimeters. Millimeters, not meters. Uh, excuse me, meters. Sorry. Meters. 10 to the minus 15 A femtometer. <laughs> okay. Yes. Now, to visualize how small that is, um, uh, I should give... Sorry, the uh, source escapes me. This isn't my own analogy. I got this from a nice... Um, um, that's a thousand times smaller than an atom it's it's yes it's a thousand times smaller than an atom so that's a good one it's like the way that he described it is if you imagine the distance of the earth to the moon which we've kind of all jaded on it because of video games and movies but that's a really long distance so imagine the distance going from the earth to the moon and one i believe one hundredth the imagine that distance changing by one hundredth the width of a human hair <laughs> that is the difference that we are trying to measure. And this is why it, it's not a really easy thing to measure. In fact, this isn't the first time someone has kind of jumped the gun on measuring um, um, uh, gravitational waves. waves. Uh -huh. So back in 2014, uh, I'm not sure, I apologize where this came out, but in 2014, the same sort of thing happened where they're like, hey, we got it, gravitational waves, measured it. Um, nature even um, kind of, leaked it as well you know they have like that pre-press stuff that they do right um, it's kind of an intermediate between a, a media article you'd find on google or something and an like nature letters like is that paper. what you're talking about yep yeah something like that and then they finally you know nothing materialized last a year ago uh, so on january 30th of 2015 they reported that gravitational waves discovery now officially dead so um that's where we are today so that's why so that's interesting in and amongst itself in fact this discovery um some bloggers some scientists in the media have predicted that this would be the biggest discovery of 2016 so it's i don't know what the hell we're going to do with the rest of the year um but the other reason why this is interesting to me and instead of just a direct confirmation of a kind of cool prediction of general theory of relativity is the fact that it's now tweeted again. And so I think it actually is this Lawrence Krauss, this physicist at Arizona State, who was guilty in 2014 of, of spilling the beans, so to speak. And now here he is again. So the media has reached out to the LIGO um, Institute, and they 
intelligently say, we have a lot of data to analyze. Um, please don't jump the gun. And I guess my question to my esteemed co-hosts would be, what do you think about this? So some people say, well, this is bad because now people hear about this and in the general public, they don't understand all the intricacies of science and they, you know, this like lets them down. And so they kind of like, instead of being pumped up by it, they're kind of more critical now of science because it's just yet another nail in the coffin of saying, you know, scientists are just wasting federal money, uh, public money, doing research, and they're not really making any progress. So what do, what do you guys think about this? Traditionally, and we talked about this a little before the show, this is what they call, you know, science by press release. And traditionally, that is 99 times out of 100 just been it always proves to be negative and in, in that like if you're talking about like cold fusion or or um perpetual energy machines all these all the really sketchy fringe science that never really seems to work you get a lot of science by press release in that sense and they say hey we've just made a battery that will last 100 years and blah blah blah, blah. and and you notice they're not it's not coming through a peer-reviewed journal it's going through press release now that normally the caveat of that is, is that they typically only go through press release they don't go through channels of of uh, highly regarded peer reviewed journals so that's kind of the end of the story here now i assume in this case they're going through all the peer reviewed journals but someone just got a little excited and wanted to let the world know about how cool this was right cuz yeah. this is a fe- this is a federally funded project and it will receive the same scrutiny in a peer reviewed journal as 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 the other research would that I'm assuming that much. And if, if that's to be true, then there's a little bit less ire I would have towards this individual. I, I mean, I see that, but we're also in a changing environment here. You know, like it's not like it used to be. This is a, a world where wait, you already got to say your one opinion. Okay. Sorry. And so now you're trying to add a corollary <laughs> to it. Let's hear what Carolina feels about it. I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm a skeptic at heart. So I, since I haven't heard about this a whole lot, it's it's hard. I, I just tend to want to question. Well, not it. about this this I, specific, I, but just in general. So you talked your your story was about hey, every five years, you know, the dietary guidelines are are you know they're released like clockwork and it's very official. What would you think of if in two years from now you get a tweet from the I don't sorry, I apologize, I forget what the board or the organizing organizing body is that releases it, but if they tweet it out like, hey boys, you're getting too much meat now, like. Would you like that? Because it would perhaps bring interest um, to it. But there's the risk that two, three years later, when they actually publish it, uh, it could be different. I don't. I, I don't like statements like that about nutrition, just because it seems like nutrition recommendations are so flimsy that mm-hmm. making any kind of a concrete statement one direction or another is. Uh, can be misleading because people take it as gospel and then when the recommendation changes people start to doubt nutrition recommendations in general so you wouldn't want them kind of pre-releasing with a no a tweet but i think the pre thing is an important thing here which is what this sounds like is someone going public with preliminary data if you're writing a grant if you're or and you want to get funding preliminary data is really important because you're kind of taking a proof of concept and you're saying we would like money to investigate this more thoroughly to see if this is actually valid and so you take inadequate information that seems interesting on the surface and you try to get money to 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 prove it or not and 
that this feels like someone going public with preliminary data and it's i think it gives a false sense of of validity of the science that may not actually pan out to a public that does not readily understand to discern preliminary data from actual uh, statistically significant data and so I think it's more likely to confuse than it is to inspire that's my note on it yeah so I disagree okay no go ahead Carolina well, I was just going to say that so, – so yesterday my inbox was blowing up with um, this news story about reducing the amount of starch in rice by 50 percent if you if you cook it in, in a, a teaspoon of coconut oil. And like multiple of, of my friends, of ed- educated friends, were sending me this news story and actually one of our listeners too. But when you dig into it, you see that this was – a statement made by a Sri Lankan researcher that never had published research. And this, this statement was made – like uh, almost a year ago and still hasn't been published. And now it's somehow in the news out of nowhere. And yeah. people just get so excited by the headline without looking into it. It's just very frustrating. So I agree. I mean, there are, I, you know, the, some consequences to it. But consider this, you know, each of us have been able to go to scientific conferences and be involved in that. And one of the best parts of that is not just the official like podium discussions and even the posters but it's the sidebar it's when you're going up to that grad student about the poster and you you cover the poster and then he's like man we just did this experiment and it was so cool you know we've only seen it a few times and it you get that sneak peek and that's because you have kind of the you know the inside scoop the the i hate to say elitist because grad students are far from being elite in any way um, but you have something that the general public doesn't have, which is kind of like, oh, my God, this lab just did this. And, you know, that even happens at a place like UNR where you might hear what another lab is doing, um, but everyone else isn't going to hear about it until it's published. So it, I like this sort of thing because it does – that's one of – so there are detractions to it, but this is one of the good things about it is is it does bring attention to it. It kind of gets everybody in on the conversation um, and you had brought about a cold fusion, Scott, that brought back a memory when I was a kid and I didn't understand any of the articles that I was reading, but in, you know, flipping through like the National Geographic's lying around the house or the popular science that my dad had, I remember reading about that and thinking like, oh my God. And of course, I, I'm still not smart enough to kind of understand cold fusion, but at the time it got me at least interested and excited for science, even though it turned out to be vaporware. Yeah, there is an inspirational side to it. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we'll ever come to. Uh, uh, I don't even say we have to agree to disagree. It's just that I. I don't feel that this is doing the scientific community any favors. Um, I think there's plenty of opportunities to inspire people without uh, suggesting that you're completely un. You, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Analyze data as fact, um, which is kind of what it sounds like when you tweet out something like this individual did. So, so I, I don't know. I just feel like we we owe it to ourselves as a scientific community to to try to limit that on a certain level so that we don't we don't get an impression of always kind of crying wolf, you know, uh, because then people will question everything we're doing. If, if a lot of what we talk about publicly and get excited about doesn't pan out. Well, we know. would not be talking about it tonight. 
Yeah, and, well, and what if it, and what if it doesn't pan out? Then we gravitational we, waves. <laughs> unless it's all BS. <laughs> once they analyze the data, but you still know about gravitational waves. You still that, that may or knowledge. may not exist. <laughs> well, no, we can infer them. We just haven't directly measured them, or have we? So one last thing I'll say about this story, because since it came on Twitter, started on Twitter, I'd like to end it on Twitter. There's an account out there called Sarcastic Rover. You can follow it at Sarcastic Rover. But I thought they had the best comeback, which is. Gravitational waves are the new Higgs boson. Pass it on. Nice. Uh, follow us on Twitter too. <laughs> hey, look at you! <laughs> I haven't. I, I need to get back on our Twitter account. I should just put snarky comments up there all day. Don't follow us yet. No, no, no. Follow us. I'll just put smart, snarky stuff up all there all day. I'll make it a. I'll make it a fun account. Why not? <sighs> Well, we're getting a little late in the show. I'm wondering if we should just push my story back. I don't know. It has nothing to do with you not really being prepared because you took a snowy trip across the pass. I did take a snowy trip across the pass. I can do it, but we're 48 minutes into the show, and I'll need yeah, at least 10 don't minutes like us here. that much. Yeah. We'll save it next week, but uh, but the show's not over. Don't, don't be hanging up on us quite yet. If I can find the button... Yeah! Awesome. Okay, are you guys ready? Uh, no, I need about five minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'll try to take five minutes explaining this. Through the magic of radio. All right, ready. Wow. Perfect. Okay, so... That's going on a little So board. your task is to put these three events in historical, chronological order and give me a date for each one. Okay, so the the identification slash discovery of vitamin A, retinol. Um, figuring out that citrus fruits treat scurvy. Okay, okay. And figuring out that eating liver will cure night blindness. There's what? such a thing as night blindness? Yes, night blindness is actually caused by a vitamin A deficiency. Yeah, vitamin A, uh-huh. And scurvy, similarly, vitamin C deficiency. Interesting. What was the last year we saw night blindness, um, you know, being a problem? Well, that's for you to decide. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm just asking a question. Anything to get back in the lead. Oh, man. So vitamin A. Isn't beta carotene just two vitamin A's together? Don't I remember that right? Uh, Two of them. I feel like together. if I feel like because if you have if you have if you I thought the my understanding was and I could be wrong if you have enough beta carotene and you have sunlight you're exposed to it oh, you yes, have plenty yes, of vitamin A uh-huh. because you're, the you're UV right will break the beta carotene into two vitamin A's but I could be wrong that's just my it's something like that I don't remember if that's what the structure is if it's two of them but I do know there's like some kind of a conformational change there. Right, right. Light. What's interesting is I don't, you know, as far as like when vitamins were discovered, it seems like it would be a relatively recent thing here. Hey, keep that to yourself. I'm a, <laughs> no, no, no. This is for this is how the show works, Dell. We we spitball ideas and then we come up with a with a number. And then you, you know? try to take the lead in the quiz. <laughs> you don't. You I pull all the strings Barnett. with the quiz. I can change these numbers to whatever I want. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Let's, as is evidenced by your redacting of my epic victory from last episode. Uh-huh. You didn't actually win, but okay. I totally won. 
You got one out of three. Okay, so uh, vitamin A, I'll go ahead and go first. This is interesting. I could be way off here, but I feel like chemistry, the chemistry of vitamins has been around a while. I'm just going to throw a 1788 out there. I'm going to go back. I thought gonna go we were back. supposed to go order. What's going on here? Trying to change the rules? Oh, the oldest one, right? So Yeah. Uh, I'll still go. I'll still go. I'll still say that's the oldest. All right. I'm going liver. Which one? Liver's liver. oldest. Because I've okay. never heard oh. of night blindness. Actually, do you want to give, give me a date? Um, mer, I may have to change I, my I'm thing here. Do like, uh, let's say, uh, uh, six, fifteen ninety. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like Billy Madison. Okay, 1592. Um, uh, Scott, are you sticking with? Well, uh, is 17? the is the only claim is that they did they know it was vitamin A or they just knew liver cu- cured night blindness? Hey, no, you made you. So you lie I'm not going to lie mister. in that bed. You lie in that bed. <laughs> is that your, the only claim? Get because your bearded butt back in there. That is an observational thing. That yeah, like is that all that you're saying? It had nothing to do with knowing it was vitamin A. Just that liver cured night blindness. Um, that was I'm changing it. I'm going no. with the being the oldest. <laughs> and uh, Man, I'm you. gonna I'm gonna say uh, uh, 1635. Okay. God, deal with it. After All right. You so you guys both it. have that one as the oldest. Yep. Okay. Next. You're a turd sandwich. <laughs> Wrapped inside an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. Does that have avocado on it? <laughs> going to have your tears of regret after I bury you in this quiz. <laughs> what kind of sandwich are you making here? You're really, ag- <laughs> really aggressive to take down. Um, uh, what, do I go next, or does uh, Mr. Old Two-Face here, Mr. Old, hop on the, the Why don't you go first, so, yeah, you go first, so, so you can change, I don't have so to retract mine. So it's not so obvious that you changed your answer to mine. It's exactly so right. So I should go first. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go scurvy next. Okay, a year. Do I have to give a year? Yes, please. The year was for the first one. Okay, all right. Don't give me a year, Scott. It's certainly, uh, you know, I'm gonna say Scurvy's the oldest. Scurvy's the oldest. Okay. I just, I just read a book called Longitude about how. Change your answer again. How we use clocks, to I'm giving you your your victory back. Um, Oh, you. No. Yeah, Longitude's a really good book. It's about how they use clocks. You do realize you've picked every answer now. No, I picked two out of three, sir. (laughs) Sir. I did not pick vitamin A. Uh, so okay, it, the well, years uh, don't matter. I'm going scurvy, and I think that I'm almost certain that was in the 1600s. I'm going to go scurvy. I'm going to go liver eaten, and then I'm going to go vitamin A for the newest one. Well, I guess I'm going to go scurvy. No, I'm not. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you have liver first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, liver scurvy. first might be right. Uh-huh. Scurvy retinol. Okay. Are you so guys ready? What's the oldest one? The oldest one is the liver. Ah. <laughs> I could still win. Two oh, out of- uh, it has actually been observed that, that liver, uh, consuming liver, will cure night blindness since ancient Egyptian times around 1500 B.C. Oh, so you were still really wrong, Dell. Let's not forget that. I still that. had the oldest time. That still put me closer than 16, whatever you said. Yeah, you're just off by a thousand years. You should write a book about it. That's you know what? Just good <laughs> enough to beat you. 
I'm this week is nullified because <laughs> Dell's being a jerk. Uh, and so what was um, the second one? Scurvy. scurvy. Yeah, yep. scurvy. Was 1747. Um, that's what I said. When there were a lot of uh, sea voyages where there weren't fruits and fresh fruits and vegetables available to the sailors, so a lot of people were developing scurvy, and it was cured when you consumed citrus fruits. And then the first vitamin discovered was vitamin A, and that was in 1913. What? Isolated from butterfat and cod liver oil. Mm. I feel like people consumed a lot more uh, fish oils back in the day. That seemed like a, a common ointment or something to eat. You know, like take a spoonful of cod liver oil. Doesn't that sound like something you were supposed to do 100 years ago? No? Yeah. Yep. I think history repeats itself. I saw it in uh, some old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Now we're it's just in like the 30s. It's all just pill form. I guess we are doing the same thing. You're not. <laughs> so, okay. Congratulations, Del. Thank you. I mean, it, it, not that there was any, you know, question what the outcome was going to be. So maybe, maybe if I was going up against Carolina or Christian. One six. I left your win in there last week, Weiner. Yeah. Um, you just your conscience got the better of you. That my score, though. Oh man, yeah. Hey, uh, Christian's still in last place, so. <laughs> and uh, Dell's winning. Dell's kicking everyone's butt. Sixty percent win rate, sir. Nice. And uh, the numbers just came out for the Powerball, so uh, I guess I'll go out on a high note. Yeah, I, I, the high note being that you'll be with us next week. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you bought ten Powerball tickets, so that way your chances of picking the same star in the night sky <laughs> as your friend is equivalent to your chances of winning Powerball. Yes. Oh, I went cool. in on a pool. Actually, a winning ticket was sold in Chino Hills, so. Uh, Oh. Any listeners, Chino Hills? Really? Always, so, so there is a winner. There is a winner. Where's Chino Hills? California somewhere. Oh, all right. Are they going to be billionaires? Is that how this works? Yeah. Uh, it's a 1.4 billion lottery. But what? let's end the show. Our listeners have been kind enough to stick with us to this point. They have been kind enough indeed. Okay, so uh, see you guys next week. If With any luck, I'm going to the SpaceX launch this weekend if it really works. And uh, we'll tell you all about it next week. Q outro. Q outro. We hope you've enjoyed another thrilling podcast of the Beta Sandwich Science Podcast. On this week's episode podcast, you heard Carolina <laughs> discuss the latest dietary recommendations. So put down those meat sticks, boys. You're getting too much protein. But only added sugar is bad, so pop those sugar canes in your mouth instead. Sick of journals turning your research down? Tired of repeated rejections of your vaunted work? Don't worry, Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter have much lower standards for My publications. <laughs> AOL. <laughs> and sadly, Beta Sound Science Podcast has already hit its highlight, not unlike the potential discovery of gravitational waves, um, two weeks into 2016 with Dell Jackson thoroughly defeating Scott Barnett in a thrilling battle of wits. <laughs> If you enjoyed this and more, please tune in next time, and who knows what wackiness we'll get into. Yay! Yay! Thank you, I, I don't didn't really like your closing there, but... Uh. <laughs> Carolina. Yeah. Whoa, it's kind of loud. I like your music. There we go. Uh, please, please go ahead and uh, rate us on iTunes. Yeah, keep it, there, keep it going. Keep it going. Stars. 
swipe us on. Yeah, swipe us right, left. Yeah, and check out our new our new snarky Twitter account. I'll see what fun things I can put there. Because whatever I whatever I was doing before wasn't working, so uh, we'll make it snarky. At Beta Sandwich. That's it, folks. Just under an hour. Well done. Awesome. Spider Man, Spider Man oh, does whatever. Trying to watch some more can. making a murderer. Ooh. Hey, isn't there sit there an interview with Jody from the hey, show? Hey, hey, spoilers. Whoa.